Welcome to another episode of Between Worlds Podcast. In today's episode, I have asked my cousin, Christo Surligas, to join me for our fifth conversation in the first series of Uncovering the Minds of Common People. Christos is my hype man. When I'm feeling beat, the voice of reason and encouragement roars from his mouth. He brings out the best in everyone. Everyone needs a cousin like Christos. He is an experienced human being that is at his peak of curiosity. His ears are open and he is continuously learning. He's a true spirit of the world. He's an advocate for the real peoples of Canada, the First Nations. I cannot wait for you to meet him. Go on. <laughs> and, and, but did you, hold on, did you introduce me as your cousin Chris? This is Chris. My full name is Christo Surligas. Christo Surligas. Listen, Chris, this isn't a podcast Chris. about who you are or what you've oh, done. Sorry. It's Oops, a podcast sorry. that's abstract and essential. Essentially, yes. what we do is we strip you naked. You're basically bare naked sitting wherever the fuck you are in Montreal. And I'm actually naked right now, actually. I'm not joking. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I'm actually naked right now because I'm a bit of a nudist. In my own apartment, my own little condo. Okay. I, he's not spiritual, I, but he's a nudist. Okay, cool. Thanks. No, no, I'm not joking. I, I spent probably the morning and the after, early afternoons completely nude because I, I like it. And why not? You know, I usually just put clothes on just before I step out of the house. So Canada. thanks for your nudist rant. We all appreciate it. All the nudists out there are going to love it. You didn't let me finish. So basically, you're left naked. And now we see who Christos Surligas is okay this is why i didn't introduce you as a writer all right because no one no one needs to know about your bio (laughs) this is everyone no one in my conversations we don't really know much about them all we know is how they respond to my questions all right so feel free to legitimately speak as you feel because I'm not censoring anything and people who listen to this will appreciate the non-censorship and whether you are political or if you're not politically correct or not socially correct, it doesn't matter. Um, You do you. And I just want to state out there, guys, this is my first non-scripted conversation. So I am just as in the dark as my guest and we're just going to wing it. But as always, with the same questions at the beginning and the same question at the end. So, Christos, do you consider yourself a common person? That's a good question. A common person? Uh, yes and no. Listen, I, I'm a salesperson, so I'm not going to talk about what kind of work I do. Uh, in the creative arts, I, I got to be able to sell myself. So, yes. And I don't do this because of the business that I'm in. I do this because this is who I am. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who likes to be out there and is socially active. I, I meet people all the time and people meet people all the time on the streets that I become great friends with, um, that I share, you know, uh, dinners with and, and whatnot. Um, and I, I can, you know, I don't like this word common to be quite honest with you. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for arguing with you because what does what does common mean you know the common man the common person uh listen there's people who are better than me and and 
less than me out there. There are people who are smarter than me and dumber than me out there. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and actually compare myself. Um, however, at the same time, uh, I will say that this sounds egotistical. No, uh, nothing egotistical here. This, you know, I, I will say that I'm maybe a little more, not even, I don't even want to say the word enlightened or illuminated. And I certainly don't like using that word woke. I think it's uh, ridiculous. Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I do want to say that there's a lot of fucking dumb people out there. Sorry for saying that. And uh, I think, uh, to be quite honest with you, the vast majority of people are. Um, and I include myself in that often, okay? Uh, so that, that I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with that. You know, um, I'm, a, I'm a dumb fuck often. So, okay. So am I, you know, a common person? Yes and no. That's it. You don't have to apologize for people being dumb. I've been apologizing for people's stupidity for so long. So nowadays I'm trying to stand in the middle of myself and say, I'm not going to be too nice. I'm going to be kind, but I'm not going to apologize for other people's stupidity. And I'm going to own the fact that I put a lot of fucking work in myself to get ahead, like not get ahead with my personal achievements, but just get ahead as being a good human being, you know, and healing myself and just having my shit together before I have kids, you know? Before so, you have kids, that's, I have to, have to ask you two questions. You actually think you're a good person? I'm not saying that you're not. Uh, <laughs> do you actually think you're a good person? And why do you have to do this before you have kids? So that interests me, you know? Those, um, am those I a good statements. person? Yes, I'm a good person. Hmm. And I don't um, think I am. Why? I just don't think I am a good person. I think I do some... <laughs> some I think I do some goodness and I have good deeds, uh, but I'm, I'm not an awful person. I'm not an evil person, but I'm certainly not going to class myself, classify myself as a good person. Not at all. I mean, listen, there's good, there's great. And then there's amazing. I'm good. <laughs> I'm not great. I'm oh, not well, okay. These are the categories. Good, great, amazing. <laughs> well, you've never crap. taken it. You've never taken one of those, uh, those uh, Myers-Briggs tests. It's like, I'm kind I of have. neutral in the middle. The neutral, the one yeah. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. I've done a lot of those. And to be quite honest with you, I'm done with all that. If we really want to get into this conversation, uh, you know, if we want to get into uh, modern psychiatry, psychology, sociology, anthropology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think a lot of the stuff is bogus. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff is, is there for academics to keep writing books and to maintain their jobs. Um, I, I think uh, the idea of, of therapy in general, to be quite honest with you, in the Western world, what we believe is therapy, counseling and, you know, uh, psychology, uh, I think it, it breeds addiction. Um, and at the end of the day, what I've come to realize is that we will never change. Humans don't change. We are who we are. But I can, we can talk more about that later. Let's. You asked me why uh, to be a good person, have children. Well, it's not really necessary about being a good person. It's about healing yourself before you produce another heir, another human being on this planet. So like, that's what we call like conditioning. Again, this is something that is within psychology, but it's so true um, how, we, how we grew up and how we were conditioned the first seven years 
and how that had created a habit out of us and it had conditioned us to certain fears and certain mannerisms and way of expressing ourselves. And I think it's just so important that before we have kids is that we are aware of like the duality of parenting and like the, the circumstance and the, that can happen from us that from something that could happen, such as being in a relationship and, you know, at the child's two years old and you have a divorce. Do you know what I'm saying? Or you're an alcoholic or you're addicted to something or, you know, we just need to be completely healed from our ancestors, from our parents before we continue breeding children and like breeding trauma, basically. I mean, listen, on paper, it sounds great and good for you. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, be facetious or anything like that or, uh, but uh, we never heal, dude. Uh, it's an ongoing process. So this idea of completely healing before you you have a child and bring another child to this world, uh, I, I think it's, uh, in my opinion, you know, um, not that I've I'm smarter or greater and or I've seen more than you have or experienced more than you have, uh, but it, it's healing is an ongoing process. Yeah. I like to believe that we're going to heal until the last breath we take, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that includes learning and that includes, you know, making mistakes and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think, I think you're okay now to have a child. I think you're ready. In my opinion, I know who you are. So I believe that I'm ready as well. Um, however, again, I guess this is just, for some people that I see who have children and could have waited, you know, just a little bit, just to, just to work through some of their own paperwork, you know, meaning well, I, their own emotional baggage. Um, well, I, I, I believe people shouldn't uh, get married and, or have children uh, before a certain age. I think to be honest with you, I think it should actually be illegal to give marriage licenses to people under the age of 30, as an example, I'm not joking. Um, <laughs> You laugh. I mean, this is this is where Christos this is where Christos becomes a little bit, you know, conservative here. Because the thing yeah. is, it, it, you know, you and I have had these discussions before. You know, uh, many scientists believe that the brain actually grows uh, and stops growing uh, way beyond our our teenage late teenage years. You know, our our final physical gr- uh, growth spurts end at our late teens, but our brain is actually still growing for several years afterwards. They say that the average brain stops growing at the age of 25. So if you're thinking that for 25 years, you know, the first 25 years of someone's life, that that brain is actually still in flux. All you have to do is just look at how young people behave. I was a young person as well. We all were. So you're going to tell me that at the age of 25 or even before that, someone should be able to get married, you know? Um, you know, back in the old days, people were getting mad at the age of 15 and 14 and what and whatnot. How did that turn out for many of them? You know, sure, it was also different times. People were living less longer, you know, the longevity wasn't as high as it is now. You know, people were living in rural communities and urban and urbanization has only been around for the last two centuries. Um, however, you know, I, I think people are actually possibly not as bright as young people probably were, let's say, 100 or 200 years ago, because back in those days, we didn't have, um, you know, media to be able to kind of um, genetically modify our brains 
uh, almost, uh, which has actually been proven that, you know, video game culture has actually um, morphed the brains of, of, of young people. Uh, sorry, not genetically modified, but you know what I'm saying. Um, um, so, so yeah, I don't think people should be able to get married uh, before a certain age. Uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're not going to create a law, but I mean, where do you even have, uh, have children? And yes, there are a lot of great young mothers out there and parents, don't get me wrong, solid. Um, however, you see uh, with the divorce rates, especially in North America, are, are you know, something like over 50% of people are, are, are getting divorced. So, um, and, you know, these broken families. Um, so, yeah, there, there's something uh, to think about. And in fact, actually, uh, there are some governments who have actually even thought about that, too, recently. Um, there have been talk about that. Do the research. I mean, I'm 30 years old. I'm still not married. And I don't have kids. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if there is people in my generation that are getting it, more and more people are going to get it. Um, it's a huge responsibility. And it's something that, like, okay, like you said, heal, heal, heal. I'm not saying that you need to be perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. But because we are always continuously unraveling and un, like peeling off the onion. So there's always something to work on. But there's just, I think there's a specific place, threshold where you can go over the bridge and say, okay, I, now I can be responsible for another living, breathing human being and like give it the most optimal life with health, love and appreciation and guidance. And not like, there's so much sabotage that goes on with, with having children. And a lot of our, our life includes our parents. So it's just super important to have healthy parents. Uh, well, I mean, psychologists, I see this, psychologists, counselors, you know, psychiatrists, and that field uh, would not really exist if it wasn't for parents. Sure, our peers as well and our educators have a say in our upbringing too, but I mean, uh, I don't know of any person who's not in therapy. I mean, I've done therapy as well for many years. Uh, I've seen probably, you know, at least a dozen different counselors, psychologists uh, throughout the years. You know, I did see one specific person for five years. However, you know, I don't know of any friend or family member who doesn't go into therapy, who doesn't have parent issues, you know, and it seems that the main focus are parent, our parents. So, yeah. So, yeah, you're definitely touching upon something that that we know uh, we know of. When was your last epiphany and what was it? My last epiphany was probably just a couple of weeks ago. And it's something that I just mentioned to you, you know, just moments ago is that for some reason, I truly believe that we do not change as humans. I think there is a, a, a possibility in the first, maybe you said seven years, I think maybe in the first, maybe 15 years of a child's life, I think there's, there are some windows where they can go to another direction. However, I think what happens is after the, a certain age, like maybe 15, it all depends on, again, what, what, what uh, scientists, social scientists that you uh, subscribe to. Um, after that age, we are, we are constantly uh, repeating our errors, uh, the same what quote unquote, if you want to call them mistakes, they're not really mistakes. Uh, they are who we are, you know? So I, as an example, scientists, again, and do the research, scientists are, uh, believe that there is um, 
something in the biology of young people that if they are obese as young children, after a certain age, again, I think it's in and around the age of 15, after that age, they will never, for the most part, be not obese. For the rest of their lives, they will be physically obese. They might lose weight and go to you know, some diet programs, but eventually they'll gain that weight back. So that's like a physical thing, but it's also a mental thing too. You'll always be an overweight person mentally as well, right? So um, I've come to realize that through my experiences and the experiences of friends and family members is that we do not change for the most part. We are who we are. We might be able to tweak and improve and understand where we come from and why we are how we are. But for the most part, we'll, we'll be the same people until we die. That doesn't mean we, don't, we can't learn, um, but we will still be the same person. You know, a person who struggles with weight will always struggle with their weight mentally and physically. You know, a person who has addictions, uh, you know, let's say like a vice, as an example, will always be an addict, uh, will always struggle with that as well. You know, I have anxieties. I suffer from um, OCD, mainly from obsessive compulsive disorder. I've had it since I was a child and I will likely have it for the rest of my life. And that's okay. Uh, as long as it could be a little more softer and a little bit, you know, uh, and I can be more knowledgeable about it and what triggers it as an example. So, yeah, so that's what I've, I've come to learn recently. We are who we are for the rest of our lives. And that never changes. I mean, there are psychologists that suggest our personality may, re- may remain the same for the rest of our lives. But then there are advanced <laughs> thinkers that say that we can rewire our brain and re- recreate our personality to create our personal reality. That's what Joe Dispenza says anyways. But it's interesting that you are, you're becoming more definite in this. And do you feel like, don't mind me, I'm not trying to step on you, but do you feel like this is the story that bring you comfort in who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, why um, punch yourself or struggle? And that's not just me, everybody. Um, This, let me go back. uh, Let me jump back to what you said, that there are people who actually believe they can rewire themselves. Sure, I believe that too. But that's like a very small percentage of the population because that takes, I think, a lot of dedication to to begin with. And that takes a lot of work. And most of the people do not have that, 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 Time. So let's go back to the common person. The common person has a job. The common person probably has likely a family, um, you know, at whatever stage of their lives, they are very busy. Does that person have the time to take off to be able to do all that work? No. Hence the reason why the vast majority of us will just stay how we are as who we are. And that's okay. Embracing, you know, our, 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 our problems and our weaknesses is okay. Uh, as long as you understand them and you understand and, um, and you're mindful of where they come from and you see the triggers. So you won't have as much anxiety with it. You know, I- I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Um, there are doers and they're not, and there are people who are not doers out there. There are people who are, who have business acumen and people who do not have business, business acumen. Okay, so I see this a lot with a lot of creators out there. Okay, because I'm very lucky that I can straddle both ends. So I'm both a creator and a business person. Okay, so I, I can create, um, you know, uh, you know, art and you know, television and films and whatnot, and do that with third 
party people as well. And I can go out and sell them. Very few people can do both. And not saying I'm any better. No, not at all. But there are certain people that have that skill set. And people actually like to believe that they can actually learn it. You just can't. Again, you are who you are. You know, if you're not a doer, you'll never be a doer. You know, for the most part, again, this is a gross generalization, but I see it time and time again. You know, that one person, as example, she wants to become um, a filmmaker, a director. Uh, she wants it so badly, but she doesn't have either the creativity or that, again, that business acumen. And that person will struggle for the rest of their lives with it. And they won't be able to have that type of success that they're looking for. And that's just my world. You know, there's a lot of other examples of that in every other industry on the face of this planet. Do you want to explain about your immigrant? We're both from immigrant families. Um, do you want to explain what it's like to be Canadian with Greek roots and anything else that you want to express about yourself for them to know that you feel like that you want to express about yourself? Um, hmm. or- okay, sure. I mean, um, you know, let's start with Canada or being Canadian. I don't uh, believe Canada is an actual nation. Um, because when you don't have the indigenous involved, uh, it's not a nation. This is a, 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 a supposed nation that was stolen by white Europeans. Um, you know, the indigenous cultures, unless I'm mistaken, they were about, or still are about um, 60 to 70 different tribes across Canada. Um, these uh, nations all had cultures and languages and economies and art and et cetera, uh, flourishing. And, you know, the white Europeans, or at least the white European narrative is that they, they were savages and barbarians. Um, so um, again, it all depends on who uh, you read. Uh, when Columbus did discover the Americas, quote unquote, uh, there were approximately, again, depends on who you, anthropologist, historian you like to believe in, uh, up to 200 million uh, First Nation peoples living in North and South America, okay? Um, there was a, 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 apparently some sort of, I don't want to say a census, but there was uh, some recordings, uh, you know, written recordings uh, about 115 years later, so 1605 or 1607, uh, claiming that there were about 5 million indigenous peoples left in both North and South America. Okay. So th- we're talking about the world's biggest genocide that no one ever talks about. Uh, you know, this Canada, this nation that we want to call Canada, um, was founded in 1867 by 36 white men. Two thirds of them were um, British Europeans. Um, uh, the other third were French Europeans. And, you know, I will call them Europeans because that's exactly what they are, even if they've lived here for generations. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that they came here and just said, okay, I take this in the name of the king and the queen and uh, in the name of God or this Catholic church or this is just the biggest crock um and you see it you see it in the malaise um in and in the actual canadians quote unquote and including in the first nations so until we actually bring the first nations in into uh some sort of power sharing um 
uh, you know, uh, structure, uh, i.e. bring him into the Constitution to begin with, uh, i.e. work on those 94, um, uh, uh, which I call it, uh, points uh, that were created by the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, of which about maybe a third of them have been uh, solved, about another third of them are being worked on, another third of them have not even been touched upon. So until that actually happens, no, Canada does not exist, in my opinion, even if I do pay taxes. And uh, I do not consider myself Canadian, even though I, I carry a Canadian passport. As far as being this product of Greek uh, immigrants, uh, another falsehood, in my opinion. We're not immigrants. We are uh, settlers. Uh, the people before us are uh, colonialists or colonists, and they still are, i.e. the French Canadians and the English Canadians. Everyone around them are considered settlers uh, because essentially we came here uh, to do all the dirty work that they wouldn't do. Um, and especially because they couldn't tame the First Nations to be able to do that dirty shit work. Um, so that's how I feel. Uh, growing up in Montreal in a very ethnic uh, you know, neighborhood, uh, I lived in a, in a, in a sort of beautiful ghetto, you know, where most people were Greek. There was a lot of Italians as well, Armenians and whatnot. And it felt like, uh, you know, probably being in some small town in Greece. That's what it felt like. All the Greek churches and the services and, and, and whatnot. You didn't actually even have to learn how to speak any other language in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, you know, my parents did have difficulties at times, uh, they were without jobs. At times, my father was an entrepreneur and owned a couple of restaurants. So we went anywhere from being, you know, middle class to, you know, I don't want to say poor, but let's say working class, you know, anywhere between middle class and working class. You know, our parents did whatever they could. They worked multiple jobs. Uh, there were struggles. Uh, you know, I'm the baby of, uh, of the family. We we're four children. And, you know, I think my dad and my mom did a pretty good job raising us. The four of us are, are, are you know, I will say that my the three siblings are good people. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I am. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't fall into drugs and other type of crime as a lot of a lot of uh, kids in my neighborhood did. You know, I, I probably have about a dozen or so friends that are either dead or in prison or in and out of prison. And, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I've answered your question. Yeah. Do you want to add anything else about your identity? Like for, I had a hard time. I didn't realize that I was going through an identity crisis, not saying because I'm <clears throat> the child of a European settler. Um, but a lot of us go through an identity crisis. However, I felt like I never belonged in Canada. And oh yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same here. Okay, explain, express that, because I'm sure you can express it better so people can understand. Yeah, so listen, you know, I grew up in Montreal, a pretty multi-ethnic town. I, I also went to school in Toronto, another uh, multi-ethnic town, and I've, I've had the luxury and, and a, the good fortune, uh, very lucky, but I also worked uh, my ass off to have traveled to a lot of countries around the world, okay? Um, and I've never really felt at home um, here in, in Montreal, and I think that's okay. And I think we're not meant to feel like we're at home. And again, this is the reason what I brought up earlier is this malaise, okay? 
and um, and I see it amongst my English Canadian and French Canadian friends. This malaise sometimes turns out to be uh, and very subconscious. They don't even see it, uh, and I'm able to see it because I'm able to take a step back. I'm not in their own skin. It this malaise turns into a bit of a self self loathing. Okay. Mm. Um, you know, especially because, you know, the English Canadians, they're like first and French Canadians are considered like second class citizens. That's the truth. Okay. Especially in this province um, or in this province, I should say the French Canadians are first and then the English Canadians are second. So it depends on what province you live in. And then, you know, the third are the settlers or the immigrants and fourth class citizens are the indigenous. And anyone who argues with me on that is talking shit. Okay. I can have an argument and discussion with them for hours. And at the end of the day, they'll see the light. Uh, I'm, I'm not joking. Okay. Anyone actually thinks otherwise is, 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 is fucking foolish. And they've been drinking the Kool-Aid from the government and the corporations and the educators, all the people who have been constantly brainwashing us since we were children. And, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in conspiracies for the most part. Um, um, but yeah, so every time I go to Greece and I've probably been to Greece, I don't know, I would say uh, a couple dozen times for the most part, every single summer I'm in Greece, um, I feel more at home there, even though I don't fully belong there either, because I'm still considered the Xeno, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the stranger, you know, even in Greece, I'm considered the North American, which is fine because I use that to my advantage. I use that to my advantage with relationships with business there and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's good, but I definitely feel a lot more at home in Europe than I do feel in Canada more. So as I get older, you know, the, I've, I've had the, um, the luck to be able to spend about six months um, there in 2019. And I did get to spend six months there as well in 2021. So, and that's what I continue to do. So I'm here for a while. I will go back to Greece. So I'll be spending six months in Montreal, six months in, in Greece uh, and in Europe. And, you know, um, there's also culture, you know, in Europe that you don't find here. I'm sorry to say, you know, anyone is going to say that we have a lot of culture. It's another crock of shit. Um, there was culture, it did existed. Unfortunately, they annihilated it with the, the first nations, the culture that we have here in Canada is culture that we've brought in from Europe and other parts of the world, which is fine. Uh, it, it is essentially a regurgitated, uh, culture and modernized in, in its own unique kind of way in, in Canada and the U S uh, but let's be realistic here. You know, if the African-American experience did not exist in the U.S., we wouldn't have all this great music, um, it, not just in the U.S., but in the rest of the world, from, you know, jazz to blues to, uh, to whatnot, you know. Uh, also, a lot of, you know, uh, white Americans did suffer too. Uh, not as much, obviously, as the African Americans. Nowhere, anywhere near. But look at country music as an example, right? And I feel look like at the Canadians food. have the the work hard, play hard culture. I, I yeah, don't see that is, really anywhere, and no other country that I've been to. I mean, aside from the states, <clears throat> have this work hard, play hard culture. What is that work hard, play hard culture? That's not culture, dude. That's just. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's just money making. That's you're just making money. That's it's because you're forced to make money because you're told to live this this dream. We're told by media, by yeah. by corporations. Like I mean, seventy percent of the North American culture is based on consumption. If consumption did not exist, the economy would fall apart. You do have a consumer driven society as well in in Western Europe. But not as much. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., the, the 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 first means of transportation in the U.S. is eighty percent automobile. Okay, that's insane. That's mm-hmm. fucking insane. And and you know we want to weed off of fossil fuel fuels. When is that ever going to happen? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this whole idea driving towards the green economy and uh, you know battery powered automobiles and all that kind of stuff is going to take a long time to happen. And we're always trying to see the results of, you know, uh, go and find lithium and nickel and, and all that kind of stuff and how they're poisoning the countries where they're extracting this stuff. And, you know, how are you going to get um, a green economy when a lot of these, till this day, and it will be for decades to come, the energy sources are not green. They're not you know, carbon emission free as well. So sure, you might be driving an electric automobile, but how is that actually being powered? It's still being powered by coal and other uh, dirty, uh, uh, you know, means of of power, right? So uh, again, it just let's go, let's look at this. Eighty seven percent of people in the U.S. drive automobiles. Uh, in Europe. I'd be curious to know what percentage of them are in trains, as an example. But let's go back real quickly to the American culture. American culture, again, if it wasn't for the African-American culture, we wouldn't have the great food that we have in America as well, right? Uh, Because much of the food that we do enjoy, it comes from African-Americans, uh, and versions of and hybrids of. And in fact, if you want to take it a step further, if you can believe it, a lot of the other food that we consider American, like the hamburger and the Frankfurt and all that kind of stuff, does come from German Americans that mostly settled in Texas in the 1800s, right? So these cultures, this American culture, is just, you know, hybrids of all these other cultures from all around the world, you know? The original culture was indigenous, the First Nations, that unfortunately has been obliterated. Feel like North America produces so many sheep like so many people there are asleep that the ones that kind of wake up I know you said you don't like de- describing someone as awoke or waking up or such um these people the ones that are you know waking up are so amazing like such amazing people and I love that about Canada itself uh, because they're not, they're not Canadian. And if you ask them, they don't say I am Canadian. You know, they're the people of the world, you know, they, they have that kind of mentality. Um, but this is a very important question that I need you to answer. When the Greeks say to you, why would you ever leave Canada? <laughs> How do you answer that? Uh, they, they say that often, um, yeah, and, so in often. return and, and in return, I say to them, guys, um, the grass is not always greener. I go, uh, you think that uh, everything is much better in Canada? I say this to you. I say, take all the vegetation and all the plants and all the fruits in Greece and bring them here to Canada and plant them. Within six months, half them will be dead. Uh, tell, I also say to them this. I say, um, it's so cold up in Canada that even the bears hibernate. 
Okay. So why do I want to live in a country that doesn't provide life or sustain life? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is another reason why the vast majority of the population of Canada is along the U.S. border because we don't go higher because it's too goddamn cold. Okay. Um, and it's not sustainable. It is sustainable for a lot of the Inuit, uh, the Inu and, you know, uh, the Cree and a lot of other First Nations, they've been sustaining themselves for tens of thousands of years up there, right? So it's, it's in their DNA, you know? Um, so what are you going to do? You're going to take an African and bring them to Canada? Or are you going to take a Greek and you're gonna bring them to Canada? This is ridiculous, right? Um, so I, I start with that. And then I say to them, okay, what are you complaining about? <clears throat> you have free Medicare? Yes. We have free Medicare in Greece. You have free education? Yes. We have free education in Greece. Do you have free daycare? Yes. They have free daycare. If you can believe it, Greece is like, you know, uh, very forward thinking. They've had free daycare and who pays for it? It's not even the federal government. It's the local municipal governments, the municipalities, those local towns, and even if you're in Athens, the local city council pays for free daycare, right? Okay. They also have 300 or so days of sun per year. They can travel within their country in just a couple of hours and get to just about any place they want to. If they want to go into the mountains and go hiking, fantastic. They want to see some lakes, beautiful. They want to go to an island, awesome. They want to go to some ancient sites, it's all there. You, and you don't see that in many other countries to have everything you want all under one roof. You know, you want to go there for the gastronomical um, delights. You want to go there for the history. You want to go over there for the culture, for the music, for the beaches, for the party. It's all there. Greece has the most amount of archaeological museums in the entire world. Okay. The most in the entire world. You think it might be Italy. You think it might be somewhere in the Middle East. No, it's in Greece. Greece as well has, um, I think, the 11th longest coastline in the world. Small country, but because it's dotted with islands and the coasts are not straight, they're all jagged, okay? And there's something like, I think, 9,000 islets and um, islets, islands and islets, um, like many islands. Uh, it's something like 14,000 kilometers of coastline. It's huge, so you'll never get bored. They have everything all under one roof. Okay, guess what? Sure, there's high unemployment, okay? But it's getting better. During the recession, it was like 25%. Now it's down to like 13%. Give it another five or 10 years, it's going to be in the single digits. Okay, I get the frustration that, that people have. But what I always tell them is this, is that go out, experience, be like Ulysses, go and and travel the world, take off for five, 10 years, but come back. Um, and that's how we usually, you know, not come back, but you'll know that you'll want to come back. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll come back. I mean, you know what, this is, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a secret here. Okay. Uh, for years, I do like a, um, a poll. Okay. Like a, like a sondage in French, like a polling, you know, every time I meet people from all over the world. Okay. Who are not part of that country. Okay, so let's say, you know, visible minorities in Canada or immigrants in the US or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I always ask them this. I ask them this all the time. I mean, I, I you know, I, I had to gift the gab. I like to talk to people. I, you know, I know I'm talking a lot, but I do have a lot of people to talk to. So 
Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'd love to ask people questions and I want to find out where they're from and who, who they are, you know? Like I met this one guy when I spent some time in Atlanta last month. He was um, from Africa, driving a cab, didn't even speak English much. He we just spoke in French and, you know, we just talked and talked and talked. Uh, and I always ask people this question, you know? I go, um, do you have regrets coming here? You know, immigrating, settling in a different country. Every single one of them say yes. And they feel comfortable enough to be able to say it kind of privately. Otherwise, they wouldn't say it to others. They wouldn't say it maybe to their friends or family members. They certainly wouldn't say it to, you know, white uh, North Americans. Uh, but the vast majority say, I would rather be home. But they've left for different reasons. They've left because they're refugees politically, politically. Uh, You know, maybe there were civil wars uh, economically. They don't, most people do not want to leave their country of their origin. They do not want to leave their country of their origin. Just, we need to remind us that. We need to repeat that. They don't want to leave. The vast majority of them leave for, you know, political asylum, refugees, wars, and for economic reasons. If they were doing well in their country, they would never leave. Why would you leave? In any country you live in. What would bring you back to Canada? Like, what could change so immensely that, like, you would choose Canada versus Greece? I don't think. In this point of, point of my life, probably not much. Very little. I mean, the, the, the reason why I'm back here for the next four months, and I'll be honest with you, is because I need to add to my residency. So I essentially... I leave for six months plus a day per year to maintain my, my Canadian residency. Um, and I do that for my projects, for tax credits and tax credit purposes, because I'm doing and I'm working on several different Greek-Canada co-productions. So to be able to finance these Canada-Greece co-productions, I need to maintain my residence status. Uh, I don't really mind if I lose my free Medicare, because I'll just get private. Okay, fine. I'll pay a premium of a couple of thousand dollars a year. Uh, but this is the reason why I, I spend six months plus a day here in, in Canada. Uh, and, you know, I'm also happy to be back because I want to see my family and been spending some time with my dad and my sister. And, you know, I'm going to start to see my, my siblings and their children. So, you know, uh, nephews, uh, sorry, nieces and nephew and, you know, some close friends, but otherwise... Canada doesn't have much to offer me anymore. Um, and, you know, I took advantage of it for many years. Uh, and it has given me a good life. And it did give my parents a good life. But right now, I, I feel, you know, um, toxic uh, because of a lot of the rhetoric, uh, politically speaking, um, here. Uh, and... You know, also for me, the biggest thing is the indigenous uh, issue and problem, because we do have one. Anyone who actually denies it is, is a fool and, and sorry to say, but fucking uneducated and I'm sick and tired of it. Um, so until those issues are solved, mainly until I see a, a, a indigenous people um, being, you know, a, a, a solid, there'll be a minority for years to come. It's not like they're going to take over uh, as far as the population goes, but there's definitely 
uh, a reason to bring them into the fold of a power sharing. And I know we can do this, but, you know, governments won't, unfortunately. Uh, but until I see that, you know, I'm not pleased of this so-called nation that we call Canada. It turns me off, to be quite honest with you. No, but you know what? A lot of people are going to be listening to this. A lot of Canadians are going to say, you're a traitor. A lot of people are going to say, you know, I, your parents worked hard. And, and, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, my parents and my grandparents went to war for this country. Well, good for you. You know, good for you that, you know, your, your parents and your grandparents and everyone else went to war uh, to fight for rich people, because that's essentially what it is, you know? Um, yeah, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're just dumbing it down. And I'm like, no, no, there's wars start for three reasons, land, money, and power. And guess what? It's not the land, money, and power for the common people. See, we're going back to this, what you were talking about earlier, the common people. The common people do not gain from any of this. The common people are the ones that are always losing. All you have to do is just read a history book, man. Every time and time and time and time again, the common people will lose in every single war on all sides, on all sides, on all sides. So, no, you know, we fought for what? What did we fight for? For Canada? For why? In the Great War, in World War I, in World War II, and, you know, in Korea against the communists. Oh, and when we invaded Afghanistan and all that bullshit, fuck you, grow up read a book or two and understand why all these are actually happening. They're not happening because of religion. You know, they're not happening because of race, you know, they're, they're happening because of economics and for people to get in the bigger piece of the pie and the people who get the bigger piece of the pie are the rich, are the governments is the military and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. All of us, the rest of us are fooled. And then tens of millions of people die all the time for, for needlessly. Trudeau's yeah. doing a really good job to getting his fellow citizens wanting to flee the country. Because yeah, so, but we're never supposed to trust government. I mean, no, the but idea now, now, even government so. is, now even so. The, the idea of trusting government is foolish. Why would you ever trust government? The only proper government is municipal and even at the micro level, like, for city councilors, they're effective. Why? Because they're managers. Because you can pick up a phone and say, hey, I got a pothole, fix it. I got this problem. I got that problem. That's real government. Everything else is just baloney. Why? Because it's because it, 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 it's created by the rich. And again, it's not even conspiracy theory. And it's created by corporations, political parties, are, you know, the heads of political parties are actually actors where the kingmakers of the world, uh, both, you know, provincially and federally, the rich people create, you know, these people put them in power. And the idea that actual vote matters is bogus. It's just ridiculous. Sure, you can vote one party out, but then there's another party out that is, you know, has deep pockets from the rich who basically control the agenda. You know, and if you think otherwise, again, you are foolish. I mean, a quick history lesson. We're Greek here. We like to believe and say that democracy started in Greece. Sure, it did, but not really. Thousands of years ago, when it was created on the peaks, on the base 
of the Acropolis, it was for the rich landowners. No one else could vote. About 100 years later, a legislature or legislative building, an assembly was created. And guess what? Political parties were created. The rich went out and got actors like rhetoricians and philosophers and actors and put them in the heads of these parties to be able to get votes. And ever since then, we have a political party system. So guess what? There is no democracy, real democracy. Your vote does not matter. It doesn't, it doesn't count. It doesn't, you know, who cares? Political parties have agendas and it goes beyond what the population wants. The agendas are the agendas of the, the rich, of the powerful, of the corporations, of media. Is there any other way than the way that it is already, the system that it is already, but actually just a real system rather than a fake system? Would there, is there another way? Yeah, of course. Remove political parties. And people are going to say that can never happen. Bullshit. It's never been really properly tried. You can actually create a government where, you know, uh, you can vote people to represent you in a type of parliament for whatever you would want. And you would actually have a leader who would actually lead, but you can lead by complete consensus. You don't need to actually have um, political parties to be able to do that. Why? Because already consensus is constantly being created in most governments. Otherwise, governments fall, right? So, but if you can actually create a political system with no political parties and actually... Um, create uh, legislation that everyone who actually runs uh, only does one term, okay? Uh, so they just do four years and, and they leave because they're just there to do a job. And as well, if you can actually pass legislation where those people um, cannot go out and get a, a job uh, within a corporation afterwards, because the vast majority of successful politicians go out and become heads of boards of, you know, they sit on this board and that board of different corporations. So, you know, all of these, you know, leaders and ministers the world over, they're working their asses off so they can get that big payday afterwards. Because, you know, we all know politics is not pay. It pays in the long term. You know, when you sit on five boards and you're making a half million dollars each on, on a board, you're making millions of dollars. The, you know, the average prime minister or president or premier of a province or a state, a governor of a state, is only making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, and this is the reason why most heads of corporations don't actually go out and run for politics because they'll make more money running their own corporations. So you don't actually even have the elite of the elite running government. And at the end of the day, corporations don't even care. Why? Because they'll install their puppets there anyway. So it, it comes back full circle. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, there is a way. It creates a no party system. Uh, people can uh, only run for four years. And they're not allowed to actually go out and get jobs in corporations after that. Obviously, jobs in much larger corporations that have some sort of power within, uh, you know, uh, public opinion and whatnot, you know? Rumor that's being spread. I, I like that I'm calling it rumor. Uh, but a lot of us have this insight that we will start living more rurally, although 
the governments are trying to create smart cities and trying to get you really addicted and stuck into the city. A lot of us are feeling like rural living is coming, community living is coming. How do you feel about that? Nah, it's not going to happen. Why? People are still flocking to the cities in rural communities, like in, you know, developing or, or somewhere in the middle from developing countries to poor countries. Everyone's going to the cities. No one wants, wants to work rural jobs anymore. Uh, no one wants to work in factories. We, come on, we're seeing this already. You know, factory jobs are leaving China and they're going to other parts of Asia and Africa right now. You know, China's creating the infrastructures in these impoverished nations, you know. Um, and essentially what happens is when you, you know, give a person a job, uh, eventually they want more. And then after that, they'll actually educate their kids. And once you educate their kids, they're not going to work, you know, jobs with their hands. You people just want to sit and be, you know, uh somewhere with a laptop and sure you can say oh we can create a nomadic society but at the end of the day everyone wants to live in a city everyone wants the the, the creature comforts of the city people don't actually want to think dude because your brain already has a type of entropy in it okay so you actually lull that entropy to sleep by actually feeding it feeding it like, a, you know, by having a car, by living in, in a, let's say a condo tower, not having to think. You just press a button and it whips you up to a certain floor. You press a button, you go back down to the grocery store. You press a button, delivery is here for you. You press another button, there's Netflix for you. Um, they don't want you to think. Corporations do not want you to think. Otherwise, you won't consume. Otherwise, you won't be drinking the Kool-Aid. Otherwise, they won't be telling you what to do. So yeah, there is, you know, sub-movement to rural communities, but that's what might be what, 5% of the population? You know, before the epidemic, sure, maybe we've had 5% of the population who was, I, I hate this fucking word, but woke or, you know, awakened or enlightened, but not woke, fuck, I fucking hate that word. Um, but somewhat enlightened. Again, I don't want to consider myself in that because I'm a fucking idiot. Aware, more aware. That's another okay. quote. Nice okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe five percent of the population was aware. Maybe ten. Maybe twenty percent. I don't know. But um, I think one good thing that's come out of uh, out of out of uh, this epidemic, it's probably it's probably made another at least five percent aware. And it's probably made a whole bunch of people more stupider. So I don't even know, I'm sure if the word stupider actually exists, the word, but it's made people fucking, you know, more into fucking sheep and name calling and finger pointing. And, you know, they're all, you know, keyboard warriors, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, everyone is fighting with everyone. Everyone is pointing a finger at everyone else. The left thinks their shit never fucking smells. And the left actually believes that everyone else who is not on the left is a fucking idiot and they dislike them just because of who they are because they're not on the left. You know what I mean? Like I'll go on and on and on and on and on and on. Politically, I'm an anarchist. You know that um, I don't live as a lifestyle as an anarchist. Uh, I don't believe in politics. Uh, but if I do, I subscribe to a more of an anarchistic type of government, which is less government, less of everything, less military or no military at all, less police. And if there's no police that are, would even be better, we can police ourselves, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, everyone's fighting with each other. And you know what? This is exactly how government wants us, how media wants us, and how corporations want us. Because 
It's the simple fact of being able to divide so they can conquer. Can we police ourselves? Can we really police ourselves? Absolutely, we can police ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, during... Well, you know, if you remember, uh, unfortunately, after, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Floyd passed away in the U.S., there was talk about defunding the police forces or putting that funding more into um, uh, social work and, uh, you know, uh, training uh, police forces in a different kind of way, uh, you know, um, less violent, more proactive, being more in the communities, uh, trying to kind of figure out... um, what uh, kind of initial problems uh, might come up before they even actually come up. Uh, the idea of spending some more money to re- rehabilitate people, um, you know, rather than incarcerate people, because let's face it, you know, the American and we as quote unquote Canadians, uh, we, because we're so close to the U S we are impacted by that. Cause we kind of more or less follow the Americans. That's it's a, a police system that's been set up to be able to police, to arrest, to be able to make money for people that run prisons in the U.S. There's money to be made by incarcerating people because in the U.S. in many states there are private, public uh, um, uh, 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 prisons out there. Um, so there is money to be made, unfortunately, in that. You know, if you look at some places like in Northern Europe. Um, they discourage incarceration. There are some places, I think in Scandinavia, that have prisons where there's no actual walls or bars. You know, people can kind of somewhat come and go as they please, including, I think, even murderers. Um, And what is the repeat um, rate of people when they are incarcerated and are, um, you know, set free afterwards? It's a whole lot less than it is in Canada, the U.S., and other nations. So yeah, we can't police ourselves. I truly believe that. Why not? You know, humans are capable of just about anything, good and bad. So we can devise a system um, that uh, we can't police ourselves. Uh, We just don't want to do it because there's too much money to be made for many other people. Self-sufficiency and taking, being able to be self-responsible. And that is something that our school system and everything (laughs) in that regard does not train us to be self-anything. We're self for we rely rather than being self-reliant. So yeah, it's uh, control, dude. It's control. Listen, at the end of the day, you know, the police is also another form of the military, which is a form of government. So this is another, just another way to control us, dude. This is the reason why we can't remove, uh, you know, uh, police and military. But again, it all starts with having uh, a government with no political parties um, and, and no influence of corporations in media. Uh, and military, you know, if we can create governments that actually can have that power, I think a lot of this other stuff will be solved. Uh, what do you love the most about yourself? I would say what I do like about myself physically. Love. I like love about myself. Oh, there's very little that I love about myself, dude. This, this whole idea of like, oh, you need to love yourself before you let other people in your life or before you can love Again, a fucking another fallacy made up by Hollywood and psychologists and self-help gurus and books and publishers and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, I, I don't. I, I don't really love myself, dude. This, you know, I I, I love people um, that I love that surround me. That's who I love. You know, I love my my good friends. I love my family members. I love uh, some amazing creators. 
um, that are writers and directors and, and, you know, other people in arts. Uh, so I love them. I, there's very little that I love about myself, too. There's nothing I love about myself. I might like, for instance, um, my smile. <laughs> I might like my legs because everyone compliments me on my legs or on my hands, but there's very little physical things that I like about me. As far as who I am as a person, my personality, my character, um, I don't know. I think if anything, I do love one thing, one thing actually, and everything else, nah. Um, I love that I'm able to bring the best out of people. I love the fact that I can challenge people. I want uh, people to be the, their best possible selves in any kind of way from like career to, you know, um, family, marriage, uh, you know, self-loving themselves and whatnot, you know, that's, I think, uh, probably my best, my best quality that I dig. And I think I'm, I'm good at, you know, um, so, so if anything, I guess what I, I do like to say is that, um, I, I love making other people love themselves. I don't know if that means anything. It sounds cliche. Being, so. I totally agree with you with the, these new age communities and motivational speakers. Like it's come on, like this is just becoming too much. Love yourself, love yourself, and everything's gonna be okay. Oh, like, no, I but there myself. has to be there has to be this genuine relation with yourself, and like that. I believe you have that with yourself. You're just being humble or you just don't understand the question. No, I understand the question. I mean, I, I love the relationship that I have with myself. Do I love myself and who I am? No. You know, um, do, I think, do, I, do I think I have some good qualities? Yes. Do I think I'm a dick sometimes? Often. Um, do you think that um, I have room for improvement? Yes. But this whole idea that, you need to love yourself. It's just stupid. And everyone I say this to is like, oh, come on, let me give you a hug. I don't need a hug, Malaka. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just the way, the way that I am, you know, it's just the way that I'm built. I, it, 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 it's not even a question that I even ask myself because I don't think there's an answer. And I don't think there's an answer in it for anyone else. I think the idea of someone- Okay, you, say, can't, you can't speak so much about everyone else. Oh, it's just baloney. Someone's going to say, I love myself. You've, they've drank too much of the fucking goddamn Kool-Aid. Sorry, man. Whatever. <laughs> fuck. Okay. fuck whatever. I love you and your fucking response is amazing. So listen, you said earlier that you don't really subscribe to spirituality. However, a spiritualist would listen to you and say, yeah, but you kind of are just based off of how open-minded you are. And just everything that you've kind of been talking about sounds like a spiritual point of view. Um, you do say that you connect more with agnostic and atheism and how, I mean, why label it to begin with? Because you seem to be a person that doesn't really label to begin with. So why would you label yourself more agnostic, atheist, than, than spiritualist? And why so much not spiritual? spiritual? Okay. I mean, okay. So I, I say that in the layman's terms for people to understand, you know what I mean? For anyone who might be listening to understand what kind of category I'm at, you know? I, I don't believe in a subscribed religion. I don't believe in any man-made religions because 
you know, um, it's again been proven that if we've taken all the religions that have been created by man throughout the history of civilization, there are actually 3,000 to 4,000 different gods. And if everyone actually believes their god is the right god or better or whatnot, is, is, is a moron, okay? So I don't believe in man-made religions because they were written and created by man. Um, and, and especially the last few years of the, let's say, Judeo-Christian ones uh, were created to be able to control, okay? More so than ever before, okay? Uh, and especially Catholicism. This is a religion that was created. Um, so you can go out and repent and, and not have sex unless it's for procreation, uh, uh, priests not to marry, even though they were allowed to marry earlier in the church, uh, they just want to be able to own all the land and the property so they won't be able to give it to next of kin and et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of this stuff is, it, for me, it's, it's almost criminal, it's bogus. Um, it, but it's funny because I do believe in the traditions that my Orthodox religion has has given me, you know what I mean? Like I do like observing, for instance, Easter and, and Christmas and because, you know, you get together with family and friends doing the Ascension of the Virgin Mary uh, in August 15, being in Greece, it's wonderful. All the celebrations and all the different events and, and all that kind of stuff. I do dig that. And I do dig other religions, um, you know, from Sikhism to the, 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 the traditions of Hinduism and Judaism and et cetera, et cetera, whatever, right? Um, so am I a spiritualist? I don't know. What does that actually even mean? Okay. I mean, what does even spiritualism actually mean? Um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I, I kind of try to seek out answers, um, or questions to answers that I don't know. And frankly, I probably will not actually really know, uh, for the rest of my life, because most people do not know um, what exists in this vacuum or in this ether, um, you know, um, more, more and more these days, I actually do believe in these multiple dimensions, that we are existing in multiple different ways, uh, in a sort of type, you know, loosely type matrix, let's say, is it created by some other larger force? I don't know. Um, but, you know, we live in three dimensions. We live in up to time, you know. Uh, but there are fourth and fifth and sixth and umpteenth dimensions out there. Um, some people say that they've gone up to ninth or twelfth or whatnot. I, have feel, I do feel in many ways that I have crossed a bit of the, those barriers and have, you know, uh, exited my physical body several times. But that's a whole other podcast. You know, I can speak to you about those experiences. And, and you know, those experiences did not include drugs or was not in my sleep or during my waking hours or during my as I'm going to sleep. It was while I was actually physically walking and doing stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I do believe in, 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 in harnessing a lot of the powers that we're giving. I think, you know, we are brainwashed as children by our peers, our parents and our educators to not have those powers. 
you got to read that 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 book called The Chrysalids, and I I recommend everyone read that. I think it's by a guy named Windham. His last name is W I N D H A M, and this and it's basically a post apocalyptic world where children are actually able to speak to each other telepathically. So I think a lot of that is out there. We just don't actually use it because. Other people cannot control it, so um, I'm not sure if I've answered your question. Yeah, you uh, you have. Um, I wanted to state what it means to be spiritual. So what what it means is essentially finding the answers through yourself. It means finding God through your own being. Um, so spirituality could be classified as a religion. But spirituality and religion are completely different. Um, so that is to clarify what spirituality is. And um, it's nice to be a little agnostic because it's so good to be a skeptic, to skeptic, to, to not believe anything, no matter what, because we do our own mind can deceive ourselves. So I, I think it's really cool that you said that you're part atheist, part agnostic, but really, dude, you're spiritual agnostic, I have to say. Sure, sure, I guess. I mean, you're talking about 12D, 9D, leaving my body. You need to read the chrysalids. Like, this is what spiritual people talk about. So, hello, welcome. Um, okay. What, what is it like? <laughs> what is it like living with OCD? It's made me who I am. It's made me who I am. So uh, my weakness is my strength. You know, uh, it's made me who I am. Uh, it's made me a hyper vigilant person. Um, you know, I, I, Christos cannot exist without his OCD. Yeah, uh, it's it's okay to have uh, a little less of it. You know, to be able to use it rather than let it use you. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, if it wasn't. If it wasn't for my OCD, it wouldn't be who I am. And because I'm hypervigilant, it makes me work harder and strive harder. And I'm not saying that I'm better than other people if I work harder or whatever, but it makes me do my homework. It makes me prepare. It makes me, you know, like I worked, I work in an industry where I have to be in the public eye. I have to work, I work in an industry where I actually have to do lectures and workshops and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, I struggle constantly with like public speaking constantly like almost deathly you know like to a point where I'm, I'm about to vomit or pass out before i do guest speaking but i still do it and i still push myself you know uh all the time non-stop you know i'm constantly constantly have sometimes more than others sometimes it's a little less but you know fear of, of public speaking is like you know like you know speaking to you right now i, I had almost no fear but tomorrow i might have uh, a video call with a potential client i i, I might shit myself you know what i mean so so oh man so 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 yeah it it, it makes me you know ready it makes yeah. me do the homework it it yeah. is performance enhancing you know, yeah. it is performance enhancing. Our strengths are performance enhancing. I only have one last question for you. Ooh. All right. Thank you for having me to begin with. These are great questions. And I enjoyed my last hour and a half with you. So this is you, wonderful. You liked it, really? How do you, yeah, you feel yeah. good? What's the meaning of life? I think it's two things. 
I think it's knowing who you are and within that finding your talent, whatever that talent might be. Okay. And uh, second is giving more than taking in all forms. So I'll, I'll tell you real quickly. We all have, you know, I guess what people like to say, a calling, you know, we all have a reason why we're on this planet. Uh, some people have several reasons. For some people, it might be they're supposed to be the greatest thing in the world. So for some person, it might be the, they're the best security guard uh, in the complex. It doesn't matter. You got to figure out what it is and just do it, okay? Once you do that, everything else in your life, for the most part, is easier. Not, not you know, easy street, but it becomes a lot softer for you. Okay. And I think that's the struggle of most people. They haven't found their calling, uh, their reason uh, uh, for being on this planet. Okay. Everyone has one. Okay. For me, it's being a storyteller. Okay. I wouldn't know what to do if it could be a storyteller. So what I do is I sell my stories. I create and sell my stories in the form of films, television, books, whatever it might be. And I do that for third parties, for other people, all the creators of, of which I um, can relate to their stories. If I can't relate to their stories, I don't work with people. Okay. So that's, so finding, uh, your raison d'etre is one thing. Second is, uh, giving more than taking, then there's a balance on this planet. That's it. I think those, those are the two answers in life. I think you'll have those down. I think you'll, you'll have for the most part, the, the most fulfilled life. Thanks for being here with me and trusting me and being a part of this series of conversations with common people. No shame to be a common person, Chris, okay? No shame. No, no shame. Listen, thanks again. It was fun. Thank you for trusting me as well. This, it was a lot of fun. So yeah. I enjoyed that. You challenged me, which is good. We need to be challenged every day. Yeah. We always, every day, again, this is another cliche. Again, we always have to do something hard every day that we don't want to do. We always have to learn something every day. We need to challenge ourselves every day. Otherwise, there's no point. There's no learning. Yeah. Totally, great. Right. So if anyone who is listening has resonated with this conversation, it's all organic marketing. So I don't plan on doing marketing. If you want to share it with your friends, please do share, like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you so much. All right, Chris. Thank you. Guess Love who loves you? you. Bye. Jesus. And <laughs> <laughs> too. Love you. Bye. Love you Bye. too. Bye. Bye. Bye.